Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 15 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Mary. I just returned from an air show in upstate New York, and so there's nothing as great as going to an air show and watching old warbirds take to the skies, so I'm all pumped. Oh, that sounds really, really fantastic. Well, of course, uh, we've also had another just little air show this week, Max. Yes. With the, with the Farnborough Air Show. And uh, in fact, looking forward to talking to our guest about that and, and the news that has come out of the show. Um, but before we get started, we'd like to thank Lumexis for sponsoring this week's podcast. Lumexis is widely known for providing its fiber to the screen, fiber optics based in flight entertainment system on Fly Dubai 737s. It's also deploying the system on Turkish and Trans Aero wide body aircraft. And it recently reported that it will be the first IFE firm in a whole 15 years to gain line fit offerability at Boeing. So thank you, Lumexis. Now it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Isaac Alexander is a well-known aviation geek who blogs at Jet City Star, and he's also now a contributor to the Archive Aviation News site. Isaac, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Our, <laughs> and everybody else and stuff is doing well and busy, busy as heck this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Isaac, it's a pleasure to uh, finally talk with you. I know you've been a longtime Airplane Geeks uh, listener and member of that community, so it's it's great to be speaking to you tonight. Yes, uh, sending you guys news tips and happily to share avi- aviation passion and stuff throughout everywhere. Yes, you sure do. Thank you for that, by the way. My goodness, some of your tips have been the, 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 uh, the core of, uh, of stories that we've, that we've run on Romy Girl Network, so thank you. Oh, happy to do so. Yeah, Isaac, I think you support a larger ecosystem than you may realize, but that's great. We all appreciate it, as Mary says. My thing that I love to do is find information and get it to the people that need it the most. That's what I love to do, and I'm very happy that people are responding to that. Perfect, perfect. Well, let's take a look at some of the top PaxX news stories that are making headlines from the Farnborough Air Show. Uh, For starters, Boeing has announced that it will expand the capacity of the 737 MAX 8 by 11 seats for a total of 200 seats. Now, in doing this, Boeing is kind of leapfrogging Airbus here, which is recertifying the A320, adding nine more seats for a total of 189. Isaac, what do you make of this move by Boeing? This move by Boeing is a response to one of their largest customers, being uh, Michael O'Leary of Ryanair, uh, (laughs) saying that he wants to... (laughs) That's exactly what it is, and it's and Max, as you stated, it can go up to 200, but it will not go to 200. Why? Because of see, uh, regulations stating that if you have 200 seats, then you need to pay another have another flight attendant on board. Uh-huh. Michael O'Leary does not want to have to pay that, so he will get 199 seats on board that aircraft. Oh, he'll take it to the edge. What's he going to do with all that extra space <laughs> with that one other seat space? <sighs> oh, my gosh. I, what do you think about this, Max? Of course, we recently spoke about uh, Airbus's move to recertify the A320 for 189 seats. This uh, 737 MAX then will be, uh, you know, at about 10 seats uh, more than, uh, than Airbus. Um, strategic, you think? It is. I think they're both maneuvering, the airframers are both maneuvering to to cover the range with competitive aircraft. Uh, We see the A330neo, maybe a Boeing 757 replacement in the future. 
And uh, there, there certainly is a lot of activity uh, to try to span the entire market. And I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. I mean, it, it certainly, well, it feeds the corporate ego to have a product for every segment of the market. But uh, I don't know, Isaac, do you think it's a, a, a wise approach? Well, you know, if passengers are going to want to be the ones that are ultimately going to be footing the bill for this, and from looking at all these, the ultra, uh, not just your legacy carriers, but your ultra low cost carriers that are coming up, and people seem to be going on those air, those new airlines or the, the ultra, uh, you know, Allegiance or uh, Air Asia, you know, wherever across the globe, and they keep they keep filling them up. So until passengers say no to actually getting on board one of these, you know, egg, you know, I, being an economy is like being in an egg carton anymore and stuff for how, how they're trying to squeeze you in. You will not get any argument from me on this one because I have to say I'm just amazed at, at how many seats they're squeezing in and, and how, how tight the pitch is getting. Um, but, uh, but recently, and, and, and you're well aware of this, Isaac, the Airbus patent uh, application for a bicycle seat, which I find fascinating because Airbus years ago really poo-pooed the idea of a stand-up seat. When Michael O'Leary came out and said, you know, we want stand-up seats for Ryanair, Airbus said, you know, that's not realistic. Then it has gone ahead and filed a patent for something that looks very much like a semi-standing seat. Um, It just kind of speaks volumes about where these airframers are looking and where the airlines are looking. And like you said, until passengers are willing to pay kind of the true cost of, of airfare and for a better seat, this is the way it's headed, it looks like. You know, ev- everything is on the table anymore. And that, you know, and from, from a business standpoint, that is actually refreshing. I mean, there is no sacred cows anymore for, for airplane design and how, how much you're going to cram on board an aircraft and how comfortable people are willing to accept the conditions on board. Yeah, the question a- is safety. Go ahead. Isn't the key metric that they're driving for, uh, at least in terms of fuel efficiency, is per seat mile or it's revenue per seat mile, cost per seat mile? Isn't that the kind of the criteria by which all of these changes are, are being directed? Yeah, that's one of the features. Also, you need to make sure you have enough people. Uh, you, you know, the airline's going to select a certain route and making sure that route is has enough people and stuff regularly on it to, to fill it up so that it's at, filling at 100% capacity, as you, you well know, in the last five or six years. I mean, airlines are cutting, you know, specifically in North America, they're cutting routes like crazy. They're trimming and then cramming these planes as much as possible anymore. Mm. So Yeah, there's no room anymore. I mean, once upon a time, you would have the possibility of, of, of having that empty middle seat. And I don't, I don't recall the last time I've flown on a plane that had an empty middle seat. I think I, I remember those. <laughs> I can. It, it was in 2010 in Air, Tra- uh, Air Tran, and that's because our plane broke down and they had to pull another one, uh, another 717 from the fleet. So we got to fly that, which was – it was great for the fact that there was only 20 people on a plane, you know, for about over 100 people. So that – you know, I have one nice snapshot still of that, <laughs> that, that memory. <laughs> Very nice. Well, good luck to Boeing. And of course, uh, it's the competition is fierce. This week at, at Farnborough, the announcements have been coming uh, fast and furiously. And, and uh, myself and Max were talking about it's nearly difficult to keep up with all the news that is, has come out of this show. It's becoming very difficult. And <laughs> we also see that uh, Embraer has unveiled a, a new cabin for the re-engined E-Jets, the E-2 anyway, 
which uh, starts deliveries in 2018, I believe. But uh, this new cabin is kind of interesting and exciting. Mary, what do you think about what Embraer is doing here? I think Embraer has really surprised the industry with an absolutely refreshing um, new cabin for E2. Um, they tapped a uh, industrial design firm, Priestman Good, uh, to help them out. And what they did was essentially tell Priestman Good, you can go uh, nose to tail with the cabin and, uh, and, and reimagine it for us. And Priestman Good reports that Embraer gave it great freedom and latitude to uh, bring new designs to the cabin and it shows so um, they have these uh, these new staggered business class seats um, unlike anything that we've seen uh, to date uh, for this uh, for a regional jet um, they also have just really interesting design even in the bathroom they have kind of a recess for the baby changing table so that the table then is just totally flush um, with uh, with the with the walls so what you end up having is essentially um, nothing looks like it's bolted on and that's that was something that Embraer was really keen on. Just very modern, very clean, very streamlined. And, of course, what you would expect, the larger bins and, no doubt, <laughs> slimline seats um, in economy. But really quite quite a stunning cabin. Isaac, you saw, you saw the renderings. What did you think? I, I thought they were fantastic. And, uh, you know, increase ca- you know, the uh, increase of the... Uh, the- the, the seat the where you put your luggage and stuff that goes along with what Boeing just announced as well last week with Alaska and mm-hmm. installing that installing that extra space up there space uh, bins I, <laughs> space bins thank you for the terminology stuff so, but yeah uh, I love it from that standpoint and Mary and stuff it I see that that business class seats specifically on with Embraer's thing is by Embraer's own subsidiary uh, AST. Are, are we going to see more of the manufacturers actually creating their own subsidiaries for doing seating to compete with some of the, like Zodiacs? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Embraer said that it was really keen to have ownership of this interior in part because it wants to ensure that it doesn't deal with some of the supply chain issues that some of these major airframers are grappling with right now. Now, let me just say this. Uh, airlines and airframers don't generally like to talk about this. Um, and it is really and truly like pulling teeth uh, to really get a grasp uh, around what's going on in the uh, aircraft interior supply chain. But we can report, and we did on, on the network recently, um, for example, that there is a serious constraint in uh, galleys. And this is one of the reasons why uh, the A380s are are a bit delayed. Um, particularly, it appears it appears that Skymark's uh, A380 that this has something to do with the constraint in the supply chain uh, for these highly customized uh, buyer furnished equipment seats and galleys. Um, so you know the likes of an Embraer can't afford those uh, types of issues to occur. So uh, it, it makes complete sense uh, that, that they're taking some control over this. Will others do the same? Um, you know, they they do to a certain degree. Um, for example, the space bins that you that you just referenced that uh, Boeing has launched. Well, they they said that they're Boeing made, which I, I'm I'm actually I've gone to the IAM seven five one and said, are you guys physically making it? And they haven't been able to answer me. Um, and so I'm starting to think that it's possible that it's a similar situation as Embraer, where it's they've t- they're taking ownership of it. It's kind of they're whitelisting a product, but are they actually physically are Boeing, you know, many you know mechanics really making it? So that's that's the question um, that 
these are some of these companies do not like to answer, but we're chipping away slowly and surely and finding out some of the constraints in the supply chain. I, I also want to add very quickly that uh, Stephen Udvar Hazi, the leasing, uh, you know, giant, um, did sound the alarm about this at the ISTAT conference in San Diego, and you know he he's willing to say things that others are not. <laughs> he always um, has. Well, he has the credibility in order to do that. Yeah, and and at the time, it's funny. He actually said that the uh, launch of the A330 uh, Neo would spell the demise of the um, A350 800, and you know he tends to be right about these things. (laughs) Um, But I I do want to say very quickly that we need to be careful with the renderings because we saw huge splashy headlines uh, all this week with respect to uh, Farnborough. You had um, Boeing coming out with a big announcement about what it was planning to do with its 777X interiors. Um, You had Airbus coming out saying we're going to do XYZ with the A330neo. These are for aircraft that are years away, you know, from delivery. And this is great for press, you know, but when you drill right down to it, these press releases often don't actually ta- contain the detail that you want. So you have announcements saying, for example, that the A330neo will have 3D in-flight entertainment and all of this sort of thing. And you can really kind of say anything at this point several years out. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> Max, what do you think? You know what I – well, I really like the uh, the interior in terms of its uh, integration, and it, it just really – flows like a whole, which I think is uh, is brilliant. But you know what I'd really like to see, Mary? I, I think that we'll have arrived when, when I look at a rendering and it's steampunk. <laughs> oh, my word. All right. Well, finally, we don't want to let Isaac go without talking to him about the first Boeing 787-9 that's been delivered to launch customer Air New Zealand. Isaac, you attended the rollout, didn't you? What would you think? Uh, yeah, I got uh, the the person for Archive that w- was going to attend it uh, was going to Farnborough, so I got to go in, in his place. So oh, shucks. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really disappointed and stuff on that. But uh, no, uh, we uh, I got invited to the uh, local meet. This event that I was attending was the local media or national media, if you will, uh, attending the, uh, the the night beforehand. At the Future of Flight, where the Boeing tours are held, they had a, the special for the Australian press. They had a choreograph with New Zealand time rolling out the aircraft the night beforehand. Uh, but uh, I went to the new uh, Everett Delivery Plant, got to meet uh, some of the head Boeing executives in charge of the 787 Dreamliner program, as well as some of the uh, the leaders, uh, the leadership of the uh, Air New Zealand, uh, talking about the aircraft. Uh, Got some nice outside shots and inside shots, and uh, they, uh, yeah, I was able to stuff to tell to inform Mary. Well, we got the press releases right when we were there uh, that Panasonic was the in-flight entertainment. For whatever reason, Air New Zealand had been coy about uh, announcing that at all. Uh, what was going to be on board of it? Yeah, no, that was and it's and it's beautiful. And you took some beautiful pictures of the IFE. I should note that Panasonic has been mopping the floor on the embedded IFE front. Um, they are estimated to have as much as a seventy percent market share of the embedded IFE space. Um, um, their their latest generation system, um, as you as you saw, you know, is uh, lots of bells and whistles. And um, but one key thing that was missing, of course, was in-flight connectivity on the seven eight seven nine, which uh, brought about an interesting exchange that I ended up having uh, with uh, the Air New Zealand executive, uh, Kerry Reeves, um, Isaac. 
I reached out to him. Yeah, we, we had a good exchange, and he clarified that what Air New Zealand has decided is that the current options available to it right now, including the Panasonic KU band connectivity system, uh, just wouldn't make sense. As you reported yourself, that uh, it's it would be considered spotty. But what they've done is they have provisioned the aircraft for either KU or KA. So they haven't actually made a decision. They're, they're leaving it kind of on the shelf to see you know, if these next generation systems will be better and if it would then make financial sense for them to offer it. But it is really interesting that Air New Zealand has taken this new design 7879 without any connectivity. Max, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, how much time do they really have before they need to make a decision? You can't go too long, can you? Well, they, they, they're willing to wait even a, a couple of years, believe it or not. Oh. Um, oh. They, yeah, they say a lot of the passengers, you know, fall asleep on those long flights, and they're going to ultimately fly this aircraft to Vancouver. Um, so they have kind of this overnight situation where people right now, their customer base isn't pressing for connectivity. Hmm. Um, I think that will change. <laughs> um, so go ahead, Isaac. Oh, yes. Uh, I kind of – another different point was the – I got to see all the different seating arrangements that they had there for the business class or business class, the uh, the premium uh, the pre, uh, premium economy seats. Now, I want to specifically point out the premium economy seats. Mary, you and I are kind of the six – you're six foot and I'm six foot one. Um, when you sit on some of your seats, when you put your legs out in front of you, do you have problems and stuff with the the actual airframe kind of kicking in so you can't your legs are not directly in front of you? You mean in terms of what, uh, when you're on a window seat you mean? Correct. Or- Oh, yeah. Well, I, I uh, gosh, this don't take my Avgate credentials away, but I usually book an aisle because, because my legs are so long that I, I try to stretch them out into the aisle. Yeah, and unfortunately, I could not believe it that with the, these new premium economy seats, if you sat in a window, now if you're paying extra money to be in a premium economy, my left, you know, I was sitting on my left or right leg, I sat on both sides, and yeah, I cannot have my both my legs straight out in front of me. I just could oh. not believe it that if I'm going to pay and be on a plane for 18 hours, it, it, you know, in an upper class seat, that I can't have my legs out in front of me. What was the seat pitch on that? Um, I do not recall what the seat pitch and stuff was uh, on that. So, so, I mean, they, they were nice to sit in, but I'm just, you know... <laughs> Yeah, you know, flying regional jets. You know, I have a. I will always take an aisle seat in a regional jet and stuff anymore, just for that exact reason. It just drives me bonkers uh, with my legs. Otherwise. Oh yeah, well, oh, tall tall passengers suffer. There's no doubt about it. As do passengers of size and passengers of mobility, which is why it's inexplicable that these seats are getting so. You know, these these renderings are so small. But um, it's a 40, 41 inch pitch, a nine inch uh, recline, and nineteen point three inch width. Forty one inch pitch. How long are your legs? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a sizable pitch right there. Yeah. Now, I understand these uh, seats on the Air New Zealand plane, they've selected Zodiac seats, right? But these are not catalog seats? The, oh, I, that's a good question. Good question. Is I there? do not know that. Well, Ooh. Yeah, that's what I hear from the, the guys at Plane Crazy Down Under, that these are, these are custom seats. They are in the upright position. They are less vertical. So in other words, they're reclined slightly more than, than standard when they're in the upright right. position. Uh, so they've, uh, they've they've made some changes there. 
And the other thing, too, with these things, as, as Mary just mentioned and stuff, with the long flights, that the, uh, the 787 in two years' time will be flying to Vancouver from Auckland is the sky couches uh, that were in, you know, the, you can, the nice sleeping arrangements in the economy class. You just buy three seats, and then you can sleep all the way across them. Uh, very, very, you know, it was a nice setup uh, type of thing. Tried it out, and then, yeah, it's cozy enough to sleep in. Very nice, very nice. Well, and, and then going. also, you can uh, the, the bathrooms. Oh, the the bathrooms that are uh, the wallpaper that they put up in the bathrooms is fantastic. Not that you're going to spend a lot of time and stuff in the bathrooms on a, on a typical <laughs> uh, bathroom, or I should say restroom, since you're not actually bathing and stuff in it. But uh, the, the wallpaper they had, they had a, cre- a book. It was like going into a kid's library type of thing. It was just alive and animate. And it was just like something that you would have in a kid's room type of thing to hang out. I mean, it was really, really nice. Uh, New Air New Zealand did a really nice job. Decorating the inside of that thing, and I'll, I, I believe in stuff. A lot of people are really going to enjoy flying on that aircraft. And did you like the paint scheme, uh, Isaac? Almost all black, like the uh, rugby team. Yes, Air, Air New Zealand. Uh, all blacks are kind of like uh, the New York Yankees are for baseball for America, or yes. the Dallas Cowboys. That's what all the All Blacks were. And for Air New Zealand, for each model of aircraft they have, so like the one triple seven, one eight tr, one seven eight seven. They have painted the all black color scheme, and uh, it's fantastic. Um, I kind of I, I asked them, uh, you know, d- being that it's a black airplane, uh, you know, being heavier, but also what not only being heavier, you know, are you going to be absorbing more heat uh, on that plane, and will you have issues with that? And I, I actually think um, I didn't get a <laughs> straight they answer stuff on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Oh, no, that is interesting. Well, um, obviously, just tons going on this week. And we also um, actually had a a really nice exclusive story today on the network about Bombardier uh, looking to uh, recreate a new entryway for the CRJ 900, which is kind of cool because you're kind of, we're talking always about these really big twin jets um, that obviously you can do very exciting interiors with, but the little guys, as we've seen with Embraer and E2, and of course Bombardier um, with uh, C-Series, um, it's, it's impressive to see so much innovation happening on all ends of the spectrum. And, and with the C- and another thing with, Q- uh, with Bombardier is the Q400 is getting another nine seats, and then ATR announced that they're up in their seats, so I mean it's... <laughs> Cramming in as much people as possible. Squeezing in as many as they can. Of course, and I think Q400 is also, they're going to have a new combi, right? With 50 seats, and it's a combi with uh, for cargo and passenger. My God, the news has been just hitting us so fast this week. But yes, it's... It's uh, very, very interesting days. Well, uh, we're rapidly coming to a close here. I want to thank our listeners, and I want to remind you that you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at @runwaygirl, and remember to use the Paxx hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation about the passenger experience. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, Lumexis, and I'd like to thank Isaac Alexander for being our guest. Isaac, where can listeners find you at? Well, the most popular place you can find me at is on Twitter at, with the hashtag JetCityStar, or you can find me at my blog at JetCityStar.blogspot.com, or you can find me now my new writings and stuff at Archive. All right, very good. Well, join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Bye, everybody! 